Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we're talking about the idea of canon. What does it mean to have an official canon in a film or TV or book franchise? What does that mean for us as fans? And do we focus a little bit too much on it? Do we not focus on it enough? How many different ways can I approach this topic that will bother Paul? All that and more after a commercial break that we don't have control over, you don't have control over, Skynet probably has control over, but that's not canon. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. I use they, them pronouns. I am Zen Madman, a.k.a. Paul Hoppy. Paul, so good to have you on. Um, this is a topic that you and I have. It's funny. like A lot of this podcast came about because you and I just have these conversations all the time. I remember that um, really it was kind of, I think you and I went on a poker trip pretty soon after um, Civil War had come out. We got into this long conversation at one point, we just didn't even want to go back and keep playing poker, so we wanted to keep talking about it at like 2 in the morning in a casino food court about Team Ta- team Cap versus Team Tony. And and since then, the podcast has often been born out of the kind of conversations we've been having. And this topic of canon is one that we keep coming up, keeps coming back, that keeps coming back up, that we keep going back to, that I know you we both have pretty strong feelings about, and that frankly, my feelings have kind of, I, I've kind of found a better way to... I think maybe separate the idea of canon from the idea of continuity. And so there's a lot here to talk about, but let me just kind of start wide open with what first, what, what does it mean to you for something to be canon? What does the concept of canon mean to you? It means nothing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Not your editorial opinion, your factorial opinion. Right. So canon, I, the way I see it is a, Basically, a group of stories or facts or events from those stories that are regarded by some entity to mm-hmm. form some sort of a somewhat cohesive, like, story group, essentially. Right. right? It's what somebody says is the official such and such, which is why I said I, it doesn't mean anything to me because I don't, I don't care right. what some company said. Like, the story's the story. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it is up to the the viewer or the reader or whatever, um, whoever's or the listener, however you're consuming your stories to decide for themselves. Like, right. Do and, and uh, you know, the decision of, oh, well, whatever this entity says is canon is what I consider canon or that's legit for sure. Right. right? That's just not my choice. Like mm-hmm. I'm personally comfortable i and i wouldn't say that i would then say whatever i'm doing is canon i'm saying i'm basically rejecting the notion of canon right i would say i have a kind of a similar idea especially about for me there's a very big difference between understanding the story as it is told to me versus enjoying playing with that story in various ways Mm -hmm. and i think here's where i get into canon versus continuity for me, I do think there's something powerful about seeing a story evolve over numerous iterations. You know, um, you were one of the first people to help me realize that, like, if you really look at Darth Vader's actions in Empire Strikes Back, what he then does in Return of the Jedi, like, there's a lot of things that happen in the first part, in that second part of the story, Empire, that helps set up what he does in the third. And... I love complexity. I love detail in my story. And so I feel like 
things like the MCU or now Star Wars or uh, some other of these universes where you really get to see the same characters and the same worlds popping up. There's a real value to me in the in that continuity, in the idea of we're going to say that like this happened. And so when this other thing happens to this character, you know that that other thing did happen in the past. And that what you read in like someone else's non-authorized story, which which are great, you know, fan fiction or something, or a serial box or whatever, that that isn't necessarily the version of the character that we're telling. Because um, I, I think there's a lot of problems with canon as it's thought of and described, and I totally agree with you on that, and I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. But does the distinction that I'm making make some sense in terms of like, it's not that it, it's that I it's not even that I care that like there's one entity that's right. It's that I say, whichever entity is currently telling me the story, I want to know what other stories they are building off of so that I can fit what they're telling me into the larger narrative that's been established. Absolutely, I personally uh, I I think at points I'm I'm a bit of a stickler for continuity. You know when mm-hmm. if you're telling a story that is basically saying this other story happened and now this is a story that's whether it's a continuation of that story or it's another story that we're saying uh is about the same characters in the same continuity then i i think it's important that there is continuity there right that story b makes sense given story a if you're telling me story b exists in the same universe as story a Right. Right. And and yes, that matters to me. And I do think the power of, you know, serial stories, basically, of linking stories together is that one of those stories can build off another one and then right. also uh, reflect back on it. Right. When you go back and watch Empire Strikes Back after you've seen Return of the Jedi, it feels different than yeah. if you hadn't seen Return of the Jedi. I, I can't really speak to that too much because Empire Strikes Back came came out when I was... One, I believe. Maybe two. I think yeah. I was just, I was barely two. And I saw Return of the Jedi is like the first one that I really remember seeing, right? Yeah. So, but I imagine, you know, that if if you know what happens in Return of the Jedi, and then you go back and you see uh, Empire Strikes Back again, then you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I can make these connections. And I, I think that can be powerful, you know? And, and there's, right. there's um, uh, what are they called? Uh, it's not comebacks, uh, but... Callbacks. Uh, callbacks, thank you. Um, that's why I said the wrong thing, because yeah. I figured it, <laughs> it would trigger the right thing. Uh, but, like, you know, I know, right? In mm-hmm. in uh, in Return of the Jedi, like, wouldn't be that great a line, you know? Right. If that oh, had Princess it. Leia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If Princess Leia saying it, there would be like, okay. <laughs> you know, but because that's what Han said in Empire, then it plays, it plays up, right? right. And... So I think like having continuity between those stories and kind of being somewhat clear, like, okay, this story is supposed to take place in light of that other story, I think can be very powerful and helpful, right? Right. I do think that when we start getting these massive expanded universes Mm -hmm. um, where so many stories are connecting to one another, I think at times... Um, there's there's some kind of issues with being like, oh, all of these stories, like all of these stories take place in this one continuity, but definitely not those ones. Those ones definitely don't, unless we decide we want to adapt those ideas and then they do. 
And right. so I kind of think, you know, to contrast it like the Star Wars universe with, say, you know, comic book universes, right? Right. Which tend to become multiverses. But where they, you know, there will be some continuity for a while, but then they'll just change something. And it's because yeah. they just, just a different writer picked up the title or whatever, or they relaunched an old title and they make a new character who's the same character, but a different character. And right. I feel like that's fine. And once you grow past a certain width kind of, in terms of just like mm -hmm. breadth of storytelling, I feel like you can have some issues with trying to say that so many stories are interconnected. Yeah. I think so. I think because especially it gets to like one of the questions that often comes up is, OK, but we are not seeing reflected in these stories the way the world has fundamentally changed. Mm -hmm. um, remind me, have you seen Eternals? I have. Yes. Thank you. OK. For asking. There's a meme going around that I think actually makes a lot of sense. You know, some people are arguing with it about like, how is it that there has literally been a god half emerged from the waters in the South Pacific that's now this, like, very big, noticeable thing, and, like, no one else in the universe is talking about it, you know? And all the many times that you and I would be like, shouldn't, like, this character have, like, no, like in Defenders, when people are, like, eating the insides of New York and there's earthquakes, shouldn't the folks in Avengers Tower or Spider-Man or, like, someone have noticed? Um I, so I definitely hear you there. Like, I think I, I really like continuity, but I definitely feel like there's a point at which when continuity gets too big, it just becomes impossible. To, like, maybe a better example is I don't think the writers of the MCU have fully accounted for how utterly world-changing the blip would have been. Like, I think we kind of had some humorous depictions of disruption during Spider-Man, and then some serious depictions of disruption that did not pay off well in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And every now and then it's referenced, but for the most part, everything's gone back to normal. And I just don't believe that would happen. Right. Um, is that the kind? But I also think, like, to ask everyone to tell a story in a world that's fundamentally different from our own, and now there's no chance of us really relating to these worlds in some ways because it's all so different, it kind of defeats the whole idea of what they're, they're, they're trying to do. Is that kind of the idea of what you're, what you're thinking there? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, that's that's definitely a big part of it. I mean, I think it's even more of an issue in something like the MCU compared to, say, Star Wars, where Star Wars, you've created your own universe, right, or galaxy, right. and there's a lot going on, right? And there's yeah. a lot of room in the galaxy for a lot of different things to happen. Um, and it has nothing to do with our world, right? A long right. time ago in a galaxy mm -hmm. far far away <laughs> like you know we don't have to worry about how those events have anything to do with anything going on now in terms of any story senses of course we can draw parallels and stuff right. like that right but in in the mcu the central conceit was basically like the world is our world except then you know there's some superheroes and then there's some more right. superheroes and then there's an alien invasion. And then there's another alien invasion. And then half the world's people die. And then they come back. And then a big hand sticks out of the South Pacific. I mean, like, mm -hmm. I do think, like, yeah, who's going to care about a big hand sticking out of the, you know? Like, <laughs> it's just not that big a deal when you think about everything that's been going on in that world. But I totally agree. I, I saw there was some conversation about this. And 
Um, I, I was like, I won't get too involved in this, right? But now I can rant about it. Basically, somebody was saying like, you know, do you really expect people to tell this, that to put that in their story every single time? Like, wouldn't that get repetitive and boring and, and mm -hmm. like, yes and yes, right? Like on the one yeah. hand, it's not really, not really um, like convincing that the world wouldn't be just fundamentally irrevocably changed right mm -hmm. on the one hand but on the other hand if you now go and you're always talking about that in all your movies and your series which you know the series a lot of them are they're like six episodes for the most part right i know yeah. i know some of them are, are different uh but so far all but one i believe have been six episodes and six episodes is not a long time to tell a story particularly if you're introducing a new character or taking them through a big change and trying to have a bunch of action right, right. so there's not a ton of space for like there's like world building in some ways but there's there's not a lot of time for like quiet moments or like mm -hmm having all that stuff happen and really addressing the fundamental changes in the world. And on the right. one hand, I find it unconvincing that they don't do, that they don't reference these things constantly. Cause like, of course they would, you know? Right. And mm -hmm. I mean, just think about some of the things that have gone on in our world and how constantly they get referenced and to the point yeah. where people get sick of hearing about them. Right. But at the same time, like if they made it more realistic and they made it more actually, you know, um, mm -hmm. more, the continuity was stronger. Like it might not, the stories I think would get very repetitive on that front and, and be, um, yeah. perhaps kind of boring. And like it, they broke their world when they did that. And then they did yeah. end game and they, they wrapped it up nicely. And then they had a little bit of a kind of address it a little in, in far from home. And then like, as far as I'm concerned, there have been a lot of good things that have happened since then. Not a mm -hmm. ton that I loved wholeheartedly, but like, but in terms of all those things connecting together in a really cohesive way, like they broke their universe and it just doesn't, yeah. it just doesn't anymore the way it did before. And that's just, yeah. that's just how it is. No, I, I think that's very true. And I, I've said this before, but I think part of the thing that I like so much about the boys is I think the boys does the best job of in a world where superheroes or superpowered people exist, how fundamentally would everything in our world change, mm -hmm. you know? And because you're right, it's a world-breaking thing. Yeah. And so pulling us back, though, to the – because I think it's a topic we're going to keep going back to, but to kind of keep us a little bit on focus. So we're talking about continuity here and how it can go right, but, but that we do care about it. And certainly uh, during our discussions of Obi-Wan, Kenobi, the TV show, for example, over on the Star Wars podcast – I think we all, including yourself, had some problems with how we felt certain parts of it didn't line up with the continuity. So what is canon to you? How is canon different than continuity as we're talking about it? Yeah, so canon to me is basically like a declaration that certain stories count is kind of mm. the way I see it. You know, like when when we were doing the, the episode about uh, Count Dooku, Count Dooku with Jonah, right. I was like already, okay. Um when we were doing the episode about Count Dooku with Jonah and and you said, you know, the legends and then canon and we're both like, oh, whoa, whoa, it's the Disney canon, you know. But it's like, yes, it is referred to as the canon, like broadly right. by a lot of people, right? But like 
what it is, is it is the Disney canon. And a lot of the Legends things were considered canon by some people, but it's like, right. I, I think canon is this like opinion on which stories matter in the context of the other stories, essentially. Right. Yeah. And when that's declared by like some big corporation that purchased the rights to something, I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, like they could bugger off. Like, I just, I don't, that doesn't ha- like for me, I'm like, I would rather count some of the legend stories than like the, the sequel trilogy. And I would rather yeah. think of the sequel trilogy as like its own thing. That's like its own continuity. Although mm-hmm. the word continuity is being used fairly loosely there. Um, what with the three movies kind of not super being made to interlock perfectly. Yeah, with they one don't another. have their own internal continuity. Right? In the slightest. But like, I enjoy the characters, right? And so yeah. I feel like I can watch at least some of the movies and be like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy these characters because like they have charisma, they're cool, like they're fun to watch, you know? Right. And I don't have to, for me, I don't have to have that reflect on the things that I don't like the way it reflects on those things, you know? Yeah. Um, and so sometimes, you know, when people are like, oh, but this is the canon, this is official, this, I, I, I don't care. If you care, yeah. fine, that's cool. But don't tell me I don't have to care, because I don't. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think I think I'm very close to where you are. Um, like, and for me, like, to me, it helps me to know which continuity I am in so that mm-hmm. I know how to talk about those things. Sure. But yeah, I think for me, so it's not like, like there are a lot of Legends books that I love and that I'll openly talk about, even in that conversation we had about Dooku. Yeah. You know, I, I said there's in some areas where I think the Legends told the story better. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that you can, you can look at a character like Count Dooku or I think Spider-Man is another great example. And I, in some ways, I think what they did in Far From, in No Way Home is one of my favorite ways of sort of doing this by by basically taking these other versions of the character that had been they'd done kind of what you did. I'd be like, no, 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 it's not Tobey Maguire. No, 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 it's not James Garfield. It's um, Tom not Hunt. James Garfield. Um, Andrew Garfield. Um, it's Was now James Garfield, uh, the president. Uh, uh, uh yes, Richard Garfield is the guy who designed um, Magic the Gathering. James Garfield is the president, and Garfield Garfield is the cat who hates Mondays and eats lasagna. Right. But, and that that continuity is fairly uh, 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 specific. <laughs> but, but yeah. But like to me, I love what they did. Of basically saying, like, I don't love the multiverse, but I do like the ability to be like, yeah, there's a world in which all of these stories that have all been told is canon. You know, right. and like, because, in some ways, I like to me, I think some of the things that's most interesting is when we put the continuities into conversation with each other, you know, mm-hmm. you and I did a whole series of podcasts about this where we basically talked about how Batman is, a, Bat, Batman is in some ways DC is the, is the furthest away from like what the MCU is trying to do. Um, overall, the current DC is, bleh. <laughs> there's just all sorts of problems that we won't even get into, though I do want to see Batgirl, but <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. But, like, well, the Snyder Cut came – but I don't want to do the Snyder Cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, like, we've had how many different ver- how many different versions of Batman continuity have we had just in our lifetimes? There's been Just Keaton. on screen, right? Yeah, there's been yeah. Keaton. Then there was Kilmer and Clooney, which were sort of in that same continuity, but not really. Then there's Lego Batman. Then animated series Batman, which is 
pretty much is, the same continuity with Batman Beyond and Justice but not League nece- Batman and Justice League, but not necessarily in the same con- continuity of some of the other movies. Um, you know, it's just like, and and I think it's great conversations. Like to me, I think it's great to be able to have conversations about what do these different versions of the Batman continuity look like, and how do they all. Because there's a core element to what the character is supposed to be. But, like, and if you want to say that, like, the essence of Bruce Wayne is supposed to be, among other things, that he is, like, anti-authoritarian, you know? And he's kind of, so that, like, I remember you really didn't like the Batman in Rise in Red Sun. Because he was kind of this, like, you know. And, And to me, like, I think it is fairly essential to the character of Batman. Like, I would say it is part of the Batman canon that his parents die when he's young. But, like, whether they're coming out of an opera or a movie theater, right? to me, that's... An, I, I have a kind of a related point to get into specifically around that, but let, let's kind of stay on this in general. Yeah, and, like, in the Gotham show, they're like, how about he's 12? Right. You know? And it's like, you could say canonically, but, like, I would say more historically. I think Batman mm-hmm. usually, or Bruce Wayne, was, was eight when his parents were killed. But, like, right. for that show, they're like, we're going to make him 12. And I was like, you know what? That's probably a good choice because you're going to have an actor playing that character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, you're probably going to do better with a 12-year-old than an 8-year-old. And maybe you could get a 13-year-old yeah. to play them, you know? If you yeah. get a 13-year-old to play an 8-year-old, like, things are going to get weird. Things are going to yeah. get stranger. Uh, yes. <laughs> As we have definitely learned. Right? As we've definitely learned. So, like, I think there are things where you can kind of tweak some elements. And you can even be like, let's make a really different interpretation. And that's, right. to me, that's the beauty about being able to have a character in just various different continuities. And then that character can, that version of the character can go through their own sort of set of stories, right? And evolve right. the way they evolve. And I really enjoyed the the points you made when we were covering Batman Begins and the Dark Knight that you kind of felt like, what if this is sort of a version of like what happens to Bruce Wayne, and this is the Batman we get if he has, um, you know, this this friend from childhood, who mm, yeah. you know, the Rachel Dawes character, who I thought was was you know pretty pretty interesting in Batman Begins, and then less so in the Dark Knight. But yeah, I think um, it's fair. yeah, I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense, and, and thank you for that. It, in some ways, I feel like. Because this, uh, well, let me actually back up a second. Because I think there's one more part of the conversation that we're sort of having, but I want to kind of establish a little bit. It feels to me like both of us are, have. A, I, I think when people use the word canon, they can use it to mean two related but very different things. One of which I'm very in favor of. One of which I'm very against. Mm-hmm. The one that I'm in favor of is the idea of like, here's the core of the character. Here's the core of this event. Here's the core of this team. And we're going to, at various points, let different people tell the stories in different ways and fudge with the details some and somewhat do a kind of almost science experiment of, like, what happens if we turn this knob? What happens if we change this detail? And ask how does the story change? But that that is fairly different from the canon that is obsessed with those details, you know, that is obsessed with the, like... Here's one of my favorite examples of where I think people caring about canon is completely going the wrong direction. There have been, you know, Star Trek was originally made in the 1960s. And then the next generation of shows was made, and it was about, like, the 22nd century, I believe. 
Don't at me if I get the numbers wrong. That's the whole point of this podcast. <laughs> um, this discussion, at least. Then, 30 years later, in the 1990s, they make a, a series of shows about Star Trek that is set, like, 80 years in the future. So of that future, right? Right. So yeah. the technological advantages of 1990 versus the 1960s are reflected in the fact that that show looks more technologically advanced. Right. More recently, they have been telling stories in the era, in some cases actually about like five to ten years beforehand, uh, or in one case uh, like a hundred years beforehand, of the original series. And they basically just accepted that we're going to have a ship that looks much more technological and much right. cooler. I think that makes total sense. And to me, the, the their discussions like, oh, now they're using holodeck you know this kind of technology that they didn't there, or like that, or like I said, you know, now Bruce went to the opera, or but he, he's supposed to go to the opera, but now he goes to the movies with his parents. You know, that that's one of the levels of canon that I'm the quickest to roll my eyes about, mm-hmm. where where the focus is on these details, particularly the technical details of things that I don't think actually matter that much to the story itself. Yeah, so I. I mostly agree, um, I but I would say I agree in that a lot of those things don't matter that much to me. Right. And um, some of them do matter a lot. You know, I'm right. I'm very detail oriented a lot of the time. You know, and I, I, I noticed. I re- <laughs> I really want the details to be um, convincing, and I do want there to be continuity, right? right? When you're doing something like Star Trek and you're telling stories over multiple decades and you're going back, I don't think that's the sort of thing that would bother me. Oh, why doesn't yeah. this look like it was made in the 60s? You know, it's like, it's not like they totally changed the shape of the Enterprise or something, right? It's like the right. sets look better. Like, okay, that's fine. I'll take it. Um, I do think that if that's something you care about, like, that's fine to care about. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know? And if, if you're watching something and it just really bothers you, like, you're not wrong. Like, it bothers you. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I don't think you should feel bad about that. I do think that you should feel bad about, like, going and trying to tell other people that a thing is bad because, you know, some way that it kind of tweaked you is, like, you know, there are things that I think we can look at and be like, I think this is objectively bad. Like, this is just bad filmmaking. This is bad audio editing. Like, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There's things that just on a technical basis, it's like, this was not well executed, you know. Um, and again, to some extent, that might be an opinion. But a lot of the times, it might be an informed opinion about somebody doing literally, like, a job, you know. Right. And it's like, the continuity could be wrong in that, like, you know... In Dirty Dancing, like Patrick Swayze's belt is buckled and then he jumps over a thing and then it's unbuckled and then he does a thing and there's another angle and it's buckled and it's like, that's a mistake. That's an error. That's not like some... That's a thing that actually happened? That's a thing that actually happened. Yeah. There's another thing where he's putting a record away and then they show him in the mirror and he's putting the record away again. It's like, what? This just just happened. We just saw this. That's just when you make a movie on a $5 million budget, you know, which... It sounds like a lot more money than it is when it comes to making films. Maybe it was less yeah. money, but I seem to recall it was five million. Anyway, the point being that like there are things that like are just technically poorly executed, right? And then there are right. things that are clearly creative choices that are like, okay, we want this to look good <laughs> or in a way that we think is good. 
a lot of people would say that the Batman, the most recent Batman movie, is badly lit. But I think it is a very the way that I I disagree. But I would definitely think that the that that wasn't a cinematographer or a lighting design person just being bad at their job. There was a very conscious choice to light that movie in the way they did. Yeah, I think those people are objectively wrong. Like, yeah, I mean, that's fair too. I think it is totally fair to say I did not like the way this was lit. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't work for me. I think that's totally legit. Honestly, I I still maintain I think that is the most well made in terms of people doing their technical craft superhero movie I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's just, and the lighting is 100% a choice. And if you don't like the choice, fine. Like, you know, there's things in the Snyder movie that, like, are very well technically done, right? Mm -hmm. There's creative choices that I think are, I'm going to say apocalyptic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um. I, I won't get too much into the dark side of movie criticism, but uh, which we generally try to avoid here, right? Yeah. Um, but I will make as many DC-related puns as possible. Uh, I mean, I, I do think you make an important point, though, and, and it's a good corrective to me. It's that, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's anything wrong with being bothered by anything that bothers you. There's certainly, re- like, ridiculous stuff that bothers me. Even the word ridiculous, I, I get, is pejorative. It, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's what you do with it, you know? And then yeah. I think, to me, yeah... It, because to, to me, at the end of the day, what, what I care about is the story. It is the characters. And so if you can explain to me why the – like if you wanted to make an argument of that them coming from the opera into the crime alley is a really powerful statement of just how high class they are, you know, because not many people go to the opera, but certainly a lot of people go to movies. Like, yeah, I – I, I think the Batman continuity hasn't really played out that that's an important detail, but I think you, if a person wanted to make that argument, I would listen to it. Mm-hmm. But without something like that, when it is just, no, it's supposed to be the opera because it's supposed to be the opera, like... Right, right, right. You know, I am perfectly okay if one day we see a Martha who isn't wearing pearls. <laughs> like, in part because I'm just so sick of that detail, but in part because, yeah, like, I don't think that matters. I'd like to see a Martha who has lines. Yeah, that would also be nice. Honestly, that's one of the biggest merits of the Pennyworth series. Uh huh. <laughs> like that Martha gets to be a real character. She's yeah, she's a person. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of people getting disemboweled, and that's very unpleasant. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. like superfluously disemboweled. It's like, why are you disemboweling yeah. this person? You just hung them. <laughs> it's so. It's so hard. It's, yeah. It's so. Yeah. It's so gratuitous. Um, and I'm someone who will happily watch The Boys, and yet this right. show was just over the line. For yeah, me. yeah. I'm someone who won't happily watch The Boys. Yes. Somehow I made it through uh, Pennyworth two seasons. But <laughs> I mean, really, I don't know if you put if you put more British slang in in The Boys, maybe I would have made it. Probably not. But I mean, Butcher has Australian slang, and that's a pretty big good part of the show. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's just it's just, it's just not enough. You gotta you gotta like really dial that up to like 15. Like 11 15, won't yeah. cut it. 15. That's fair. That's fair. Seriously over the top. Yeah. I think also, I would, like maybe the way, here's what I would sort of put forth as an idea, and tell me if you'd agree with this. We joke a lot on this podcast that I say things that are in the spirit of the truth. <laughs> um, because I am, I am very bad at details, and I will be, like we once got critiqued on the Star Wars podcast, and frankly it's one of the uh, critiques I've been proudest of, that like I don't know the exact details of like the names of the different creatures or like the... The, the numbers of the different ships or that kind of thing. Because 
those aren't the things that I care about. What I care about is what it says about the story itself. For me, when it comes to continuity, I feel like I might even say like the continuity is the spirit of the truth. And like if the detail because in like if you change a detail and it doesn't actually change the spirit of the thing, I'm fine with it. If you change a detail that makes something very different, then that's where I become much more like to mm. me, you're not breaking continuity. You're not just breaking canon. Yeah, um, I'm a little fuzzy on sort of the distinctions. I, I'm I'm with you in terms of like, you know, it, it's very clear what bothers you and you have a right. clear sense of that. And I think that's good, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, in Star Wars, I don't know the species names of the various yeah. different aliens. I don't know the numbers on the ships. I just, I have never cared about that within um, Star Wars. Like that just, right. that hasn't been the part of Star Wars that is interesting to me. There are other shows or movies where that might be what's interesting to me. You know, right. they just, they don't seem, to me, they don't feel central to what's going on. You know, right. um, some things being a reference to this or that I can appreciate, you know, but it's mm -hmm. like, um, you know, I, it, that's, that's not like particularly important to me there. I, I do think. There, there was a actual thing that I thought was um, a continuity question in Kenobi, uh -huh. which I guess is spoilers for like the f like one of the very first scenes. Mm -hmm. But where I was, I was wondering about Va like why does Vader have no limbs when it, it's it, only three of them got cut off by Kenobi? But apparently, Kenobi cut off all of his remaining limbs, and it was the mechanical hand. That was the oh, one that was right. reaching. Yeah, that, so, so I'm correcting myself off. there, and they actually, there you go. There you, go. you yeah. know, they they paid enough attention. Like you would think that they watched the movie before they yeah. made the series, right? Which clearly they did. Um, but yeah, I think there's details that, like, to me, to me, it also depends. Like, to what extent are you relying on these stories being connected, right? right. And if you change a particular, like, if that's to a high degree then I'm going to have less tolerance for changing details, right? Mm -hmm. If I feel like Star Trek is not a set of shows and movies that are acting like they're trying to tell one big interconnected story. Right. I feel like they're trying to tell a large number of different stories based on the same central premise, right? Yeah, and I think that's a good way to put it. They do build out a very large universe, mm -hmm. right? But they don't seem to... Like, it, it just, to me, it doesn't feel like, and I haven't watched a ton of Star Trek, but, I, you know, I've seen some yeah. and I've, I've heard about more than I've watched, probably. It doesn't seem to me like that's the thing that is important about the shows and the movies. Right. Right. And, and there's other things where it feels like that is going to be. Yeah. You know? I, I, think, I think I really like that distinction, too, because, like, I, I think going by what you just said, like, I would say the MCU is absolutely trying to tell one large con connected story. And mm -hmm. they're going off on some tangents, and so the mm -hmm. tangents go mm -hmm. pretty far. I would say Star Wars is close to that. But what I might say is that the Skywalker saga mm -hmm. is one connected story, and that now they're also telling other stories within that universe, you know? Yes. And and there's a lot more, like, the books. And, and, like, and so to me, I would even say something like Obi-Wan... Uh, or even Rogue One, I think, are within that Skywalker saga. 
But, like, large parts of the Clone Wars TV show or Rebels aren't, you know? Yeah, and, like, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, right? Those, yeah, exactly. They're tangential to them. There's, there's you know, characters work walk through them, right? But right. There, there are connections, but they, they're not part of the same story, really. And and I think that's nice. You know, I yeah. like that. That's the, the, the Marvel Disney Plus series I've enjoyed the most so far. I mean, Moon Knight was number one for me, and... You know, Miss Marvel is up there too, where mm-hmm. neither of them feel like they are working into the main story yeah. that much, right? And and it's just it's like okay, you've got this general setting where people have powers, and it's like right. you know you're gonna have some references here and there, but like I really enjoyed how much those were largely you know separate, mm-hmm. kind of just like okay, we're just we're gonna tell this story now. I I think that's a really good way to put it, especially because I would say. Like, I, I, you and I have talked about this already on a podcast. Ms. Marvel, I think, was a very good show. I think I liked it a little more than you did. But I think we both agreed that, that some of the ending, they didn't really stick, especially in episode five. But I, I would say Ms. Marvel, to me, is the best I have seen of any Marvel property of telling a story that is not the direct Avengers story, but that really, I believe, exists in a world that's been fundamentally changed by the Avengers, you know, because they're, it's not Comic-Con they're going to. They're going to Avengers Con. Right. And who are her heroes growing up? It's not movie stars. It's not sports people. It's the Avengers. And even to the fact of, like, when it when Light Girl is revealed, there's a little bit of, like, oh, wow. But it's not, oh, my gosh, a person's using right. the superpower. I don't believe it. It's, oh, there's a superhero in Jersey City? Right. That, like, I really loved with to me that's one of the perfect examples of like your universe has fundamentally changed. We're going to tell a story in a world that is fundamentally different from the normal one because of the stories that have happened in this continuity already. Absolutely, yeah, it, I think it did a great job of that. Like when when I said it, it felt like it. It didn't feel disconnected from the other stories. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it was its own story. That yeah. definitely existed in that world. Moon Knight felt like it could have probably just existed in its own world, right? Yeah, I think uh, that's true. Whereas, whereas Miss Marvel was definitely like, this is fundamentally a story that can really only be told in this universe or a, a right. similar universe, right? And not the one that we live in, but the one that those characters live in. Um, but without having all of that be this overwhelming influence on the events within that story um which yeah you know i loved many parts of and i agree the fifth episode to me the sixth episode as well just the whole the whole antagonist thing just didn't really do that much for me but the the mm-hmm. protagonist and her circle uh were yeah. so fantastic that 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 got me through the show and like i would rewatch it even though the story to me i'm like eh, okay you know, yeah. you, you you followed the, you connected the dots in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the, the points that Disney says in your contract have to be hit in each episode. But like, <laughs> but did it uh, with, you know, the yeah. really great characters in it. And in some ways, I feel like part of why, like, I think I like overall Moon Knight better. But I think part of why I think Marvel did this, Ms. Marvel did that even a little better than Moon Knight in this one regard I don't think they did a great job of the antagonists, but they kept the antagonists a very small scale, you know, because I think one of the other one of the other problems where I think you can get into a continuity problem is and this is like in a book, you just tell whatever story you want to tell. Same in a comic book. Right. 
once you start making it a movie or a TV show, now you've got to deal with contracts and different actors and, and, tech and budgets and all this kind of stuff. And I think the question we would often ask is like, well, okay, but why isn't this character showing up? You right. know? By the time you get to Conchu, like literally changing, rewinding the stars, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like someone in like the the Sanctum Sanctorum has got to like, you know, get a little notification on their phone that something weird is happening. Um, to me, there's nothing in Ms. Um, Marvel that ever really reached that level, and and like in the same way, I remember when we were watching Mandalorian season two. We talked about what happened when Grogu, like, signaled for the Jedi, and we were all kind of like, well, they probably aren't going to bring back Luke, but we're, it, it sort of feels like a continuity break to not bring back Luke, because right, who right. would it be? And then they did bring back Luke, in what I think is one of the best examples of, like, yeah, we get that really this is the only thing that fits for the continuity, so this is what we're going to do it. Yeah, I, I think when, when you're doing movies and TV shows with, you know, live action actors, it's like there are a lot of choices where you're like, well, we want to do this, but we can't get so-and-so, you know, yeah. in, a, in an animated show or a, uh, you know, a novel or, or a comic book, you just put in whoever you want to put in, you know, yeah. and, and that's one of, the, one of the things that's really great about those, you know, apparently in... Um, the X-Men animated show, they didn't have the rights to, like, Spider-Man, I think, and where they couldn't use mm -hmm. certain characters. and But apparently they just, like, put in one shot of, like, a hand with, like, web shooting. And that was it. And they're like, there's there's the cameo. It's like an Easter yeah, egg. Yeah. And it's like nobody nobody said anything. <laughs> you know? I like and, it. And, and it, you know, the, like, um, I think the, the ex, you know, the extended seasons of Justice League, like Justice League Unlimited, you know, they ended mm -hmm. up having this huge cast of characters. And some right. of them you don't even need voice actors for. You just drew them, you know? Yeah. And so you could have so many characters that you just wouldn't be able to get all of them into, you know, um, a single movie. Which is, you know, which is kind of the um, the thing that's so impressive about, like, first Infinity War and then Endgame is that they actually did wrangle that many people to all yeah. show up in the same place at the same time, right? And that's that's very difficult, Um and so, you know, I mean, that's that's obviously an achievement and had a had a big effect. Whereas, like, if that was an animated show, it's like, hey, you just you just draw them. Like, what's the big yeah. deal? You know? Yeah. Uh, I, and really to I, I totally agree, though, like with Moon Knight, that the thing about. Um, uh, yeah. it's. I mean, first of all, like the logistics, the logistics of that are like, wait, what? Like, how does, yeah. <laughs> okay, like, I'm just not going to worry about that too much. But then when you're like, oh, no, but this is a whole connected universe, it's like, okay, someone's going to have to mention that somewhere. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, that that is a, a very noticeable event, you know. You, yes. it's, it's, it's a cosmic shit. I mean, it's like, what? What is going on, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Whereas, the, you know, the thing in, in Ms. Marvel that I feel like it's recent enough that I don't want to, like, specify. But it's like, mm -hmm. there was a thing that was, like, kind of a big deal. And you would think maybe someone would show up. And personally, I wish they had actually kept the stakes smaller. That, yeah. that would have, I would have preferred that, right? But, yeah. you know, it nothing got so out of hand that it's, you're like, how did, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, how, where's Doctor Strange? Or like one thing else. I felt the Defenders TV shows did very believably is that they, um, there was never, even though it was all happening in New York City, I never believed there was something that Tony Stark would have noticed. You know, yes. Or that would, or he might have like read a story, been like, oh, okay, well, 
I wonder how they get this sorted out. But like, there was nothing that was going to be an Avengers level event or even yeah. a Spider Man level. Yeah, event. there was an earthquake, I think. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. But it wasn't oh, like his boss. But... I, I, yeah. By the TV show, The Defenders, I think part of oh. why I didn't like The Defenders as much. I think The Defenders broke that. Mm. But I'm saying in the individual seasons of like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, it felt less to me like that. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I mean, there's one thing in The Defenders that I could see raising an eyebrow, but mm-hmm. I, that I don't know. I, I don't. I could definitely see that being overlooked. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I I totally agree that the the shows leading up to the Defender series, like there was just right. nothing that was of a level that makes you think, why isn't so and so here? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Another thing I want to bring up regarding canon is, and for this I'm going to kind of use an odd example, but it's one I know you and I share. I think I can explain it pretty quickly. Paul and I spent a lot of time in our uh, high school and when I was in college, like late teens, 20s, maybe even the 30s, playing uh, role-playing games, specifically in the White Wolf world, the Vampire the Masquerade being the main one, and, and also Werewolf and other ones like that. One of the things that first drew me to those books was, like, what I'm getting to is that one of the times where I find canon most frustrating is when you you disagree like that someone tells me here's the objective story of how we got to the place we are getting to and then we don't hold to that objective truth that's been established what i thought vampire did so well i'm curious how you feel this is like a way to address the topic of canon is like yes it wants to tell you the story of like how vampires came to be but every group of vampire has a different story because it is legends it is myth and they completely contradict each other. Yeah. And the werewolves have completely other different stories. And I remember the first time I read a story that contradicted with another story I read, I was very frustrated. Mm. Because I was like, no. you." And then it was only once I got to that point, I realized, like, no, the whole point is that this is that it is legend. And you can't have if, – if something is canonical, then it's not legend anymore. The whole point of legend is that we're not sure about it and things like that. That it's stories that have passed into this legendary kind of status. What's your take on that kind of approach to canon, where there's sort of an idea of, like, even in the story itself, we're not going to tell you the objective truth, because part of the point is that no one really knows. Yeah, I did actually enjoy that about um, Vampire the Masquerade and, you know, the World of Darkness in general, Mm -hmm. which was the setting for all these different stories, right? Um, I do think by the end of it, they probably overpopulated their world with, uh, you know, fantastic beasts, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they, you know, in the first thing, they were like, vampires claim that they are descended from Cain. And, you know, there's these generations and blah, 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 Right. right? And then you'd get storytellers or players who would be like, oh, well, that's what happened. And this and blah, 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 blah. And it's like... It said that's what these vampires think, right? That's what right. they believe. That's not necessarily what actually happened. And, you know, I, I think telling, you know, yes, the vampires, some of them are very, very, very old, like thousands of years old, right? But the player characters aren't, right? So the right. player characters don't, they weren't there. They don't need to know what happened. And so I think the idea of having a bunch of... um most of the characters believing one thing, but not having that be confirmed as an objective truth or not. And and then your storyteller could kind of make up, oh, this is what actually happened. Or like, 
no, we don't know. And I'm not going to tell yeah. you. We're not going to talk about it, right? We're not going to go far th that far back. And maybe it will be relevant. Maybe it won't be. You know, maybe right. you're all from Cthulhu. I don't know. Um, you know, and, and I did enjoy that. And, and then the fact that, you know, the, the Garu, the werewolves had like a different, um, view of, of the world. Right. And that, right. that view, they saw some things that the vampires, most of the vampires did not see, were not aware of. Right. But they had one interpretation of all of that. And then you had mages mm -hmm. who had another interpretation of some of those same things. And other mages are like, oh, that doesn't exist. Or like yeah. that won't exist by the time I get done with it. Like, you know, and, yeah. and so I, I think that's a really interesting way of telling a story. Um, I think, I think sort of unreliable narrator type things can work really well mm -hmm. and can not. Yeah. And, and sometimes they can work really well for one viewer and not for another, you know, um, yeah. there's a certain movie that you get to the end of it and you're like, wait, I have no idea wh whether any of that happened or whether this guy was just making up a story this whole time, you know? And it's like, I don't know. Some people don't feel good about that. I think it's great. But like in another story, I, I, I might not. Yeah. Oh, like I, I, to me, oh. one of the best examples of that is The Dark Knight, where, you know, we talk endlessly on this podcast and fandom talks endlessly about the, what makes a good villain is often their origin story. Mm -hmm. The Joker in The Dark Knight, we, we do not have an objective origin story for them right. at all. Yeah. He tells three different stories that are that are objectively contradict they're mutually exclusive to each other to some extent or another um is it a possibility that all three are generally true he's just mixing up the details somewhat yeah is it possible that none of them are true yeah uh, like i think in some ways it makes him like i've always felt like the joker has to, like one of the things i think of is kind of canonical of the joker is that he is fundamentally different than all the other villains he mm -hmm. doesn't have a discernible point toable reason you know he's just this force of chaos and and i love the way the dark knight does that with the three totally different origin stories none of which actually are true as far as we know right yeah i i think that's a great element in the dark knight i think i really kind of prefer my joker without an origin story although i love the killing joke you know um yeah yeah, I mean, aspects of it anyway. And I, I enjoy getting a Joker origin story that, like, I mean, maybe it's not true. You know, Batman 89, just clear Joker origin there, right? Yeah. But, and, but it's like an origin story can be something that adds a lot to a villain, right? It's, right. it's something that can be a great aspect of a villain, but it doesn't have to be. And I right. think I think the Joker shows that well. I I think I I would say that's you know a very loose uh, usage of the word canon, um, in terms of like that that's canonical or whatever. To, right. But like to it's you know and that to me almost is like in a way it's kind of the opposite of canon. It's like that's your personal conception of the character, you know, um, which which I think is compatible with a very large number of the stories. And then some of the right. stories kind of maybe break with that a little bit and maybe right. those stories you don't like as much maybe because of that or maybe because of the reasons or whatever but yeah and i think that's a good way to ask about one of the last one of the last big topics i want to ask about but i'm sure you may also have some and also if we have any questions from the audience uh because we are live uh live casting this we're going to continue to do that on twitch at 7 p.m central on wednesday nights uh won't always be me i should actually ask paul what he did last week but we'll often give you a recording either this or the star wars universe podcast tune in wednesdays 7 p.m uh, Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash zenmadman. 
one of the things that I find most interesting, and, and you're right, I think this is very much against the idea of canon. And in some ways, I think that's kind of why some of these folks have adopted the word canon as kind of an fu to it. Mm. Is the areas in which, like, like I said, I think anyone can have their own individual uh, characterization of the character. You know, their own individual version of the character. Right. And then when you have groups or communities that all share that, I think there's often a discussion of like, okay, yeah, within this group, we're talking as though we assume that this detail is canon because that's what makes sense to us, you know. Um, whereas often, like, and I think a good example of this was the all the discussions about like what do, what does the phrase mean, you know, when last we met, I was but the learner. Now the circle is now complete. I am the master. I, I, I said the words out of order, but you know what I mean. That was pretty much um, all the words, though, in whatever yeah. order. I think <laughs> I was in the a circle. Is a the circle truth. wherever you start. Yeah, I was. Um, you know, but I think like. Yeah, I, I find it really interesting when like communities or groups or even just individuals are able to be like, no, my 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 own in my own canon, this is true. And that people are able to kind of continue on that conversation with with that understanding of things. What What's kind of your take on that? It's kind of like because to me, that sounds like something you'd also be a, a fan of, at least in some ways of the like, not when you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell other people they're wrong for this. But just, yeah, in, in my canonical view of it, here's what happens. And if other people agree with that, cool, let, let's continue talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't think I would use the word canon, but I do think that's a very specific thing that, you know, I mean, some people use the word headcanon. Generally, right. that's implied to mean, like, you're sort of making something up. To You're either, like, making something up to kind of fill in or mm -hmm. you're kind of, like, connecting some dots or something in, in a way of right. your choosing, right? But, um, you know, it, it's it's really, it's it's the way you see it, right? The way you see the right. character, uh, the way you understand the, the events of, uh, of the story or, and I think, I don't know, in terms of like a group seeing things that way, like I, I feel like a group's generally made up of a bunch of individuals and like those people might not all see things the same way. And like, do, right. do you get kicked out of the group? If you're like, no, I think Vader did this. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> but like, I, I do think having, you know, expressing like, this is how I see such and such. And then being like, oh yeah, either like I see it that way too. Or like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to think about it that way. Or like, mm, yeah. no, no hard yeah. pass, you know, like, I, I think um, I think there's a lot there, you know, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, filling in sort of parts of stories like I, I think just like with the understanding that like, you know, there might come later stories that contradict that and that's okay, but like yeah. that doesn't mean you necessarily have to let go of like your way of seeing things. You can see the other stories as being, you know, other stories. Right. Yeah. Like any two stories, like, I don't know, you don't have to consider Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back as necessarily take like you could just be like, no, nope, Star Wars happened. That's it. It's over. You know, yeah. like that's that's my that's my end of the story. OK, that's fine. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it just comes down to like, are you being a jerk about it? You know, Yeah. Cause like and, and part of you know, part of why I mentioned all this is because yeah, I don't think any of that is actual canon. Mm hmm. I think people often use that use canon as a weapon against those kind of folks, you know? Oh, uh, sure. Like, one of the best examples, because I think this is where it comes up a lot, but by no means all, but it's obviously a topic people know is important to me. Because of the dearth of LGBTQ characters, of queer characters in a lot of stories, I think there are a number of situations where 
many people in various queer fandom communities, again, don't get kicked out if you don't believe this, look at certain characters and they're like, yeah, no, we're, we're kind of taking that character. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to give right. us char- characters, we're taking this one. Um, and, and I think it can get, like anything else, I think people can get obnoxious about it if it becomes too much of a, like, if you don't believe this, you're wrong. But I think there's also a lot of space for people to be able to do that. And, like, I recently saw a TikTok that I think gave one of the best examples of this. Uh, and, and it was kind of the most self-aware. Because I think one of the ones in, particularly if you go into, like, the queer Star Wars community, the idea that Luke Skywalker is gay is quite widely accepted. And, like, there's a lot of evidence for it, as it's pointed out. And 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 one of the things though, that one of my this creator who I saw did is she said, look, I want to make it very clear here are all the things that I think people today can look at and say, as a queer person, I see myself in Luke Skywalker. Mm. And that even if they were telling the story today, I would think they were trying to tell us that Luke was gay. But that I totally recognize that in the 1970s, that's, or the, you know, uh, yeah, the 1970s, that's not what George Lucas was saying. Right. Um, the fact that he's wearing, I think it's Chanel boots, or it might be Versace, I don't know. But he's, he's wearing, like, very expensive soft leather boots in Return of the Jedi that a lot of people today look at and are like, come on. Like, straight man is never going to wear those boots. Paul is rolling their eyes on the on the camera right now. You can't see it. And I think you're right. It, it's, it's painting with broad brushes and generalities. And that's certainly not the only one. And I kind of love the way Mark Hamill responded to this, where Mark Hamill was like, look, the story never actually says. And so Mark Hamill said, like, I'm not going to tell you that he's gay. I'm not going to tell you that he's straight. I think if he's gay to you, then he's gay to you. And that's your canon. And that and that's just fine. And I think I think that's really where I come down is I, I when people take those head cannons to start being like, like I'll, I'll give you a counterexample. For example, for me, the BBC Sherlock is one of my favorite shows. I think it did not end well, but I think it had some really great seasons. And I saw it as a wonderful exploration of male-male friendship. And I really, that is the version to me that is canonical. A lot of people look at those two characters and see them as having a lot of queer subtext. And I I do think, especially in later seasons, the writers were doing that intentionally. And I think you can be mad at that if you want to for coding and the like. But I think it's like, as someone who myself often wants to see those kind of characters and things, I don't necessarily see that in Sherlock and Watson. I respect lots of people do. I don't. And I think I think the, the story is pretty unclear either way. Um, you know, but I, I, I'm i kind of rambling and yeah. waiting for you to just kind of jump in at any point. Oh, but yeah, sure. you got, you got to get the, the, the large. I'll jump in on here. Sherlock because I, I have something to say about it, I guess. Um, yeah, like I never thought that – I never thought about that with Luke. But, like, I didn't really think a lot about, like, Luke being heterosexual either. Like, right. you know, like – I mean, I don't know, he kisses Leia a couple times, which then becomes very weird, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and certainly a lot of ace, ace and arrow people have also kind of adopted him as a, as a symbol. For, think, right, and well, and so that's what the point I was going to make about Sherlock was like, I feel like, look, I understand there's a dearth of, um, of queer characters, right? Right. There are not a lot of... You know, especially like gay male characters, I think mm-hmm. like there's you, you get a lot of shows that have like, I mean, f- I feel like you got, you know, lesbian characters before you got gay male characters on TV. I, I don't know what how true that is, but like it feels like that was used to um, I, to market think- to heterosexual males before it was used yeah. to like be an effort at representation. Yeah, I think especially in a lot of the like there's. 
Harley and Ivy Quinn being a lesbian couple today is, I think, fairly canonical within the comics and certainly within the Harley Quinn TV show and is something that is now really well established. Some of the early times that those two characters were drawn together in comic books, it's very much like, yeah, a 16-year-old boy is going to get off on seeing these two beautiful women. Like It's very male-gazing in that regard. Right, so, right. yeah, I think that there's, there's definitely truth to that. But, sorry, tangent. Go on. Sure. Um, I think... Sherlock's sexuality is pretty clear in the series, Sherlock. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like it is actually overtly addressed. And, and I mean, I, I would say he seems ace. Like, I think he's mm-hmm. textually asexual, you know? And I mean, you, you, can be rom- you can be homosexually romantic and ace. But, yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Sure, sure. And, yeah. but, like, I think, I, I mean, if we're talking about underrepresentation in media, you yeah. know, um, particularly by, like, a character who's meant to be, you know, like an iconic character, you know? Right. Uh, and and so, you know, that's not that's not to say, like, if you have a particular interpretation that makes you happy, like, yeah, yeah that's cool, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. for, for me, it, 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 I get a little tweaked by people being like, no, this is definitely the way it is. I'm like, yeah. like, you know, and th- it's almost the opposite of the, like, the Dumbledore effect of, like, yeah. a creator. I mean, I guess there were some things in there that certainly could have been read one way, right? Mm-hmm. But there was actually, there was absolutely no textual mention of right. Dumbledore's sexuality. And then the author comes out after publishing all the books, after making them the billions, Right. Mm-hmm. And then being like, oh, by the way, you know, right. you know, give me my, you know, give me some cookies for like having representation when I had no representation. Right. And, and I think that was also I mean, we didn't know anywhere near as much as we do now about some of J.K. Rowling's anti-trans stances. But I think mm-hmm. it was already like her wanting to get a cookie from the queer community, I think, was mm-hmm. very much, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Th- there's all kind of stuff there. Yeah. I might have the dates exactly wrong there. But yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good point of like, t- to me, if you don't put it on screen, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, like I, we when the, the Loki TV show came out, I had, I had something to say about it. like Loki is now canonically bi or pan or some form of not straight in mm-hmm. the TV show. Um but the way it was done of like in the same episode where he says that he starts having his first strong romantic feelings for a woman. Granted, it's a version of him. So there's all kind of stuff there, but like, yeah, it's yeah, for sure. But yeah. Yeah. And, and in some ways it, it really just comes down to my point of like, kind of like what you're saying before is that I, I want a world where I, I don't want to have a discussion where we have different frames of references and different facts. You know, and so like if I'm telling you, here's my understanding of the importance of Selena Kyle in this version of the Batman story. And I'm saying because, you know, they met at this point in time when they were 25 and you're like, no, no, no. But in Gotham, they met when they were 12. Right, right, right. And we can't have a discussion like I find like that. Let's agree on which part of the canon or which continuity we're talking about. It's I think more than anything is when people use canon as a weapon to try and shut down other people's interpretations of these stories or their enjoyment of the stories. Yeah. That's what I think I, I, I really have a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, th- I think canon is often weaponized, right, as being yeah. like, well, only these stories count or your interpretation can't, you know, is, is invalid as an interpretation 
which is almost like a nonsensical statement uh, in and of right. itself. But like it's it's invalid as an interpretation because such and such and such and such and such and such. Sometimes like some really deep cut that's like obscure. It's like, oh, well, if you don't know all the obscure things, then you can't possibly have an opinion about this character. And it's like, well, I mean, you can say your interpretation it conflicts with such and such other story right. that maybe takes place in the same universe. And it's like, yeah, well, then maybe it's not a really coherent interpretation of, um, of whatever it is given the, the entirety of, of all the stories. But right. that doesn't mean that it can't be an, um, that it can't be a totally legitimate interpretation for yourself of, you know, of whatever specific story you're talking about or subset of stories or whatever. Uh, just like neither of those people should be trying to push their thing on everybody else by telling them it's like correct. Like, right. you know, it's like, it's a viewpoint, you know, share your right. viewpoint. Absolutely. Cool. You know, just like do it in a way that understands that other people have different viewpoints, you know, and we're, we're not, you know, we're talking about how we think about stories, how we feel about stories, not like, you know, what viewpoints, like what people should and shouldn't be allowed to do with their bodies or something. Right. Exactly. So where does the author's intent come down to for you in terms of like determining what is the canonical interpretation or anything like that? I mean, I guess in like, I don't really care about the author's intent in general, like mm -hmm. in terms of whether, um, I'm offended by something or like something really bothers me. I'd say there's an extent to which the author's intent matters to me. Right. Like if, if somebody, you know, does such and such, that's like quite insensitive, but I don't think is malicious. Um, I'm probably going to feel differently about it than if I'm like, Oh, this right. is really malicious and, and mean spirited. Like, yeah, in that case, I'm, I'm going to feel differently about something. But in terms of like what my interpretation is like, I almost don't want to hear artists talk about their art, mm -hmm. you know, like if you want something to be in the text, give me the text. Yeah, if, I, th I think it's kind of what, like what, what Dumbledore, you were saying about Dumbledore. Like yeah. if you want Dumbledore to be gay, tell, if you have to tell us Show outside me. of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You're, what you say in an interview shouldn't, you know, and if you're like, oh, well check out this paragraph on this page and I read it, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I, I see where you're coming from, you know, fine. Right. You know, and I like I sometimes I'm interested in the process, like the 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 craft of like filmmaking or, you know, well, I was writing this originally. I thought about this then. Da, da, da. OK, that can be an interesting story, you know, but right. like, yeah, I mean, and subtext is in the thing. Right. I mean, subtext yeah. doesn't necessarily mean what we interpret. It's like there can be something that is pretty clear from the text, like text creates subtext. Right. But like. Right. But yeah, it's like, if you want something in the thing, put it in the thing. Don't tell me about it later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point. The place where I wrestle with it is where, because I think this is another part of the conversation that happens. You have people who have interpretations of the text that I think are not just wrong, but that are like actively using the text to support ideas and beliefs that the that the te I think the text and that the author of the text has been very clear about stand directly opposed to it. You know, mm. um, like the creator of the Punisher has talked a lot about how he thinks the the Punisher has become a like beloved role model for cops. And there's lots of like the Punisher symbol over the like blue line flags. Right, right, right. 
And the creator has been like, no, no, you're, you're totally wrong. The, the Punisher would like hate cops today and things like that. Or like the folks who will tell you that, um, you know, uh, like <laughs> my, my, my personal favorite is the um, that twisted sister author of We're Not Going to Take Snyder. It. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. That, that that we're not going to take it is supposed to be this defense of traditional American values, um, as sung <laughs> by the guy with um, more eyeliner than any woman I've gone to school with. Ever. Right, right, right. Um, which I wear eyeliner too. That's not what it's about. But my point being, um, yeah. So how like I wrestle with that a lot because I like when someone says like, no, you know, like Star Wars is a great story of how wrong Antifa is, you know, <laughs> uh, and like. <laughs> You know, and like, or, or Star Wars is all about like America, rah, rah, rah. Right. And George Lucas has come out and been like, I was inspired. The, my inspiration for the rebels was the Viet Cong. Like right, he has right. said, he's also said the American Re- Rebe- Rebellion, but also the, very much the Viet Cong. Like, so does that mean the people who have the different, like, is that part of the canon? I, I feel like I would come down to being like, you get to have your interpretation, but I get to not take it seriously in any way because I think it is such a misreading of the text and a almost like i feel like you've got to sort of not hmm, i think i describe this i i want to say that i'm not going to take your your version of the canon or your interpretation of the text seriously if i feel like you are blatantly ignoring large parts of the text in order to fit it into your point but then that could be such a slippery slope that i don't want to go there uh what what's kind of your take on it I mean, I don't know why you have to take anybody's interpretation seriously. Like, it's just like an opinion, man. Um, right. That's a, a Lebowski <laughs> quote, right? Um, it, the, yeah. Hmm. I think the problem with all of those takes is just those takes. Like, I don't think it matters as much that that's not the author's intent as much as that, like, those are really pretty gross viewpoints. Like, you know, your problem with cops co-opting Punisher isn't that the author doesn't want cops to co-opt Punisher. It's cops. You know, it's the right. things that they're doing. And it feels like we are frozen. You're, okay, I'm you're unfrozen. Here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, the problem with anti, anti-fascists is that if you're anti-anti-fascist, <laughs> what are you pro? <laughs> You know, we got a One double negative remains. there. And when you cancel those out, you get fascist. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's to me the the problem with those. And I do think that there's something, I mean, like when, when Trump rode down a freaking escalator to keep on rocking in the free world, that felt super gross to me, you yeah. know, and part of it very much in the tradition of reagan campaigning to born in the usa right which is one of the most like searing anti-vietnam anti like the way we treat our veterans song but yeah yeah and and so it's you know i i think that taking some piece of media out of sort of the the context that the creator you know made it in or like Mm -hmm. ignoring what they meant to like to the point where you're basically flipping it on its head, I think that that is um, pretty pretty gross, you know? Yeah. But on the other hand, like, there could be... Uh, okay, I have a, a musical example in a moment. Um, there, there could be ways where that's like, it feels like, no, okay, you made something that had meaning to me, then you told me what you really meant by it, 
which I thought was mm-hmm. super gross. But like, that doesn't have to ruin it for me. I can still have my interpretation, you know? And so ultimately to me, it's just like, well, is, is the point someone thinks something's trying to make like a point that you strongly disagree with? And you're like, no, that's horrible. You know? Yeah. I mean, you look at people talking about, you know, the, the matrix movies, like constantly referencing like the red pill and the blue pill. And it's right. like, you know, a lot of people who use those memes, um, are, are, like pretty anti-trans. So it's like, it's pretty weird for them to be using that in the context they're using in it. And it doesn't feel good, but like, you know, yeah. And then we get a time where like, to me, the fact that we now know that the authors and direct, the creators of that movie were trans had under, had accepted to themselves that they were trans, but hadn't come out. Like, yeah, that actually like helps me frame the movie in a much better way. Yeah. That, makes those other interpretations even more ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a really good way to put it. Like, I, I also think there's something to be said for, uh, but I'll also just say like what you were saying before about how you can like, like a text, but then the more you learn about the author and what the author thinks of the text or yeah. other things it, like, but you can still enjoy the text, but hate like that's, that's the Harry Potter fandom to a large yeah, extent, yeah, especially yeah. those who are queer, queer friendly. Yeah. The other example I was going to use though, of a, a time where I think it's the other side of it is there's actually two examples I'd use here where I feel like later authors have taken the original thing and changed it somewhat dramatically from the original author's intent are Batman and Luke Cage. Um, Mm. In part because I think both of those stories had a lot of great kernels to them when they were originally told, but also haven't aged well, you know? And like Bruce Wayne was written at a time when billionaires, I, I think actually he's a. Mil- I don't think he's a billionaire. I think originally he's just a multimillionaire. In the original, yeah. And, there weren't a way, lot of billionaires, right? But either way, whether he is that or not, at the time he was written, rich people were pretty much just admired. And I feel like today the opinion, the societal opinion of the uber rich has changed in many sectors fairly dramatically. And I think the fact that. Like in the the patents in Batman, you have a couple characters openly saying like Bruce should be doing more with his money to, you know, to affect things like. In some regard, I think that's a pretty fundamental break of the canon, but I think it's a very it's a it's a good one. It, It is a reinterpretation of the role, the way the world sees Bruce Wayne because of his money in a way that I think really works in the same way of like. Luke Cage was written as very much kind of a black exploitation character and has now been updated quite a bit to reflect like, yeah, that's not just how we see things as, as a society today, or at least in many parts of our society, our society, not your society, Paul, you are above and beyond these things. Yes, of course. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I think um, the, I mean, so I, I would just dispute a little bit of what you were saying about um, the perception of, of rich folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I mean, the term robber baron is which which actually just showed up on the screen because I forgot that I just like also true. yeah just like Googled it. Uh, <laughs> like I think as early as the like 1870, like people were using the term. You know, right. and I, I will say that in the um, sort of I don't know the mainstream um, uh, public discourse. I think there's there are periods of time. Where yeah. and I th- I think what it is is like 
um, as well. Michael Keaton Batman in the 80s was not being critiqued for being super wealthy. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Whereas, like, in 1939, I don't know, maybe it had cycled back to, like, being rich was okay. But, like, in the Depression... I think a lot of people yeah. <laughs> really did <laughs> not look true. fondly on people. you know. And so I think the greater wealth inequality exists, uh, the more negative feelings there are to people. Like, the more people who don't have enough, the more right. generally people get upset with people who have way more than enough, right? Um, right? But no, I think that is a very good example of, like, you know, the the context of, um, of the... Um, the story being told, right? It's like, that's gonna change the story. And like Shang-Chi is like another example, right? Of a character who like, there was, there was a, there was some good stuff and there was some stuff that was like, oh, mm, no. And, you know, they made a movie. In the original comics, you're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the original comics. And now they're like, okay, let's, let's try and update that. And, you know, there's a chance that in 10, 20, 30 years, people will look back and be like, hmm, we could have done better than that. You know, and right. I, I know some people who are like, aren't in love with it, you know, on, on those yeah. grounds. But like, you know, to me, it's it's progress. Right. And it's like moving in a direction that hopefully right. is is, um, you know, an improvement on, on what what there was. Um, I had a really specific example. Oh, yeah. Eh, we don't need that example. Um, okay. But but yeah, I, I, I do think that it's like. You know, you can, you can change, like, this didn't change the character, really, right? right. It's just, um, and, you know, there might have been some stories a while back of, of people, um, you know, kind of being like, hey, why aren't you doing this and whatever. But, but that definitely is more of a, a recent um, focus of a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I think it's a good way to say it. Um. There's kind of one or two closing things I'd say, but I think I've hit most of kind of the big questions. But I've been kind of driving the conversation. I know this is one you really want to talk about. What have we not gotten into that you wanted to bring up? No, I think we we talked about most of – I mean, I kind of at the top of the show was just like, you know, the idea of canon as this official, you know, these are the stories that matter. The other stories don't really matter or they don't matter in the same way. Like, I'm not into that, you know. Yeah. And if you are, that's – Fine, but don't tell other people they need to be into it. And I won't tell you that you shouldn't be into it, right? I just yeah. I just said it's fine. I mean, you don't need me to tell you it's fine. You can like what you want. But, like, I, I think it it's just important in terms of when, when talking about stories that, you know, we leave space for other people to have their own interpretations, their own feelings. And, like, you know, somebody can be like, oh, well, I thought this about a character. And we can be like, whoa, I, I totally didn't get that and like yeah. we're like wow that really goes against my view of this character and then but i think you know usually take a moment to be like well huh, okay sure you know or be like mm, huh, nope nope <laughs> you know but think yeah. about it just just you know let unless you don't want to and then just ignore people you know and that's fine yeah. too but like i think just telling people that their interpretations are wrong um on on its face is like not very cool, you know, but mm-hmm. when their interpretations are like gross, <laughs> like that's a, you know, that's another, that, that's, yeah. that's its own thing, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think like on that last one, and I'll go into the other stuff, I, I think really what I'm often going to come down to is, and again, I, I don't want to ever judge someone else's canon, like judge their interpretation, but I, I think there's a place to say, 
that there's a difference between how you read the text versus starting with an agenda and and basically ignoring all the parts of the text that don't fit your agenda and and squeezing it in. And like I say that knowing full well that there are people who will say, "Oh, you thinking that Luke was gay or that Sherlock was ace is just your own agendas," you know? Like that's an argument that's hard to use because everyone's going to use it sure. to defend their own agendas. And I think that there's something to be said there, not even not even just for agenda, but for bias. Like I want to find queerness in characters. Um, and, and to be clear, I, I, I think to me, Sherlock and Watson being queer in some way, like, yeah, Ace is very much part of queer. So I think that's that that's just as much, sure. uh, much a part of it. Um, but but yeah, I think that so I, I definitely think that there's some place to say, like, I I just reject your interpretation because I don't I don't feel like you're taking the text seriously. Yeah. Um, I, I think, though, yeah, but, but I also think we're kind of largely in the same place. And I think for me, what I'm really clarifying here is, like, if you are telling me that we are in the same continuity, I want I want continuity. But that – and so, yeah, like, Star Wars has been all one story so far. Marvel being continuous with itself, the MCU being continuous with itself. But, like, to me, the MCU – and the Avengers TV show from 15 years ago and the uh, comic books, those are all different continuities. So I don't care if there's other things, you know? Right. And like, and again, that's where I will at least go to, for me, the spirit of the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, the original Tony Stark during Vietnam is when he recognizes, like, the problems of being a weapons manufacturer and that he has to change. In the MCU, that didn't make sense anymore. So they updated it and made it about um, the war in Iraq. I think I don't want this to happen. I kind of at some point would what, like the MCU to end and just let other stories be told. But I'm sure that at some point at time, they're going to hit the reset button on the MCU and there's going to be another version of Tony Stark. To and me, there will be another war that America's... Yeah, if you take, yeah I, I don't think they're going to have trouble finding a war that America's fighting that they shouldn't be fighting, unfortunately. But if you did make a version of him where he's always been a pacifist, then I would be like, I don't know if I would use the phrase it breaks canon because I think that I just don't want to use that phrase anymore. Mm -hmm. But to me, that would be like, this is not in the spirit of the truth of who Tony Stark is supposed to be. You know, to me, that would be this is a different character with the same name. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to. And I think here's where we can have legitimate arguments is like, what are the parts of a character that for you are essential and what are not. And I think, yeah. not to bring this debate up, but I think it's a fair one. You and I both love the character Luke Skywalker. But you and I have fairly different interpretations of what is essential to that character. And so I really love The Last Jedi because I think that, to me, that interpretation of his character fits what I think are the fundamental canonical aspects. It doesn't for you. And I think both of those positions are perfectly legitimate as long as neither one of us is being a jerk about it. Yeah. Like, I love how much that movie resonates with you. Yeah. You know, despite how much I hate that movie. Like, those two <laughs> things can coexist. I can be, like, there's a, a reason, I, I won't talk a lot about um, the multi, the, the, the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh-huh. I really did not love the movie. However, I knew that our frequent guest co-host, um, whatever, Ashley. Ashley, loved the movie. 
And I know what kind of stuff she loves. And so when I was watching the movie, I wasn't enjoying a lot of parts of the movie, but there were so many parts that I was like, I know this detail here, Ashley just absolutely loves. And I love that Sam Raimi was able to make a movie in the MCU that she would love, like almost like I was watching it, almost like this is like he just made a movie for her. You know what I mean? Like the way like the Spider-Man movie was like a love letter to Spider-Man fans everywhere, you know? It was just like, and I was like, I'm glad you have that. I'm happy you have The Last Jedi. I have the Batman. No one else needs to love the Batman as much as I do. But, you know, it's like, and I totally understand like, geez, if I had seen that in a movie theater for three hours, I might have felt differently, you know? But, yeah. like, I was able to see it at home. I was able to pause when necessary. Like, you know, I think that, like, I can explain to you, look, this is why Luke in The Last Jedi doesn't match my view of the character. And you right. can say, well, this is why it matches my view of the character. And we can both be like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. That yeah. doesn't change the way I see it. But I see how you see it. And that's cool. And, like, we're good. Yeah. And I'm not, like, telling you you're wrong. I'm telling you, like, it's wrong to the way I see the character. And it just still doesn't make sense. The way, like, you can explain to me, like, your faith. And I can be like, all right, that's cool. I'm happy that you have that. Yeah. It doesn't make it make any more sense to me. And the same way I can be like, look, this is how I see the world. And you can be like, okay, that's cool. That doesn't change the way I see the world. Yeah, I mean, I I have I have heard you talk about veganism on a number of cases. You don't push it on people, which I appreciate, but I've asked you, and I want to know. Mm-hmm. You and I just have a different value of animal life. I I have a value on animal suffering, and so I'm trying as hard as I can to eat to eat less factory farmed meat and other things like that, where I think animals are treated very poorly. But I just don't. For you, there's an assessment to which like you know animal things that come from animals just is a fundamental wrong to you that it isn't for me, and that's not. That, I, I, this is a whole bad example because that's not one where I feel like like I respect the fact that for you that's not one where you can agree to disagree and I and I I think that's fair so yeah I'll, I'll strike that whole thing as an example but it, it to me it's just a point of places where the, the point of it being that when there's just a fundamental thing that you value that someone else doesn't or not in the same way you're not going to see it the same way and right. that that's okay yeah um like to me I've, I've talked about this before. What I think one of the things, the best things that I've done as a fan that I really encourage other people to do, not to my own horn because I think a lot of people do this, for me it was spending a lot of time listening to the voices of people who grew up with the prequels as mm. their first real exposure to Star Wars. Yeah. Because one of the things that I most disliked about those movies was how much they didn't meet the expectations and, and they didn't feel canonical to me of how of what the original movies had set up. But like listening to people talk about how much they love Anakin and were just heartbroken by his fall in part because they hadn't, they hadn't grown up with Darth Vader. Right. Like they'd maybe watch that movie once or twice with their dad, but like it didn't resonate with them. That gave me a much better way of understanding those movies, you know? And I'm starting to now see people who do that with the prequels. And uh, that's a whole other question I want to get into because like, like in some ways I feel like force awakens was, not my favorite Star Wars movie by any means, but in some ways the most... Like, I think Force Awakens was exactly the movie it had to be <laughs> to sort of cleanse the palate after all of the awfulness of the prequels. <laughs> um, 
It was the movie we needed, not the movie we deserved. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. I, like, I think I think you're right in that like yeah. that movie when it came out, it did something that was important to be done for Star Wars as a yeah. as a thing. I, I don't think there's anywhere near as many TV shows and books and comic books and just general excitement about Star Wars again if it hadn't if that movie hadn't done what it did. Yeah, I um, agree. Even if like for me on the third and fourth watch, I'm like, eh. But but also I'll say part of that is because I love that the character of Rey exists. I think at I think everything they did with Rey is great. Um, I well except for kissing Kylo. <laughs> um, but I have. But again, I, if that's how you want sure. to go with it, that's fine. But I I don't have any of the like Rey should no Rey is a Skywalker. Rey is a Force user. Rey is a great Jedi. If Luke can learn all this stuff in twelve hours in the Millennium Falcon, then Rey can learn all this stuff. Literally in 12 hours on the Millennium Falcon, you know, or whatever it is. But part of it's also that I hadn't had a part of me that was like, I need to see a Jedi that looks like me. Right. And so Ray didn't resonate with me in the way someone else did. And I love that it did. The way you talked about uh, Ashley loving um, uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which, by the way, listen to the... For me, I didn't know enough about horror to get that while watching the movie. But when I then listen to Ashley on the M- on the MCU cast podcast about that movie. I found that much more enjoyable than watching the movie itself. And I wouldn't have been able to do that unless I'd watched the movie. Cause it was just Ashley connecting all these dots yeah, of like yeah. all this cool stuff Yeah, in the same way. Like, yeah, to me listening to women talk about how much Ray meant to them or the wonder woman meant to them or like listening. Like I definitely appreciated Ms. Marvel, but listening to South Asian creators, uh, Desi Geek Girls is my personal favorite, but a lot of other great creators who just talked in way like about how that movie fulfilled a longing and a need that I've never felt. Yeah. Um, and listening to original. black folks talk about how important it was to see Finn as a Jedi in. The, oh wait, oh wait, they no that yeah no they didn't do that. Well, but I think that's a great example. In the same way I was talking about like. Queer community saying, he, no, he th- this character is just queer. That's it. Right, right. I've seen a lot of creators, particularly in, in the black community, but many others, who are just like, no, Finn's a Jedi. Like, that's just – that's canon. That's how we understand it. That's what we want it to be. Um, I, I mean, I think 100% the subtext is there, like, overtly there, right, yeah. in, in terms of um, Finn being Force-sensitive and then presumably in whatever comes after Rise of Skywalker actually learning to use the Force and everything. And, that, in yeah. fact, that is actually – that's in the 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 Holly the Lego Holly special, I, now, right? Now you're spoiling something that I haven't seen yet. Wait, but what? Yeah, I, we saw it together. Oh, okay, okay. We, we watched it I mean, on. We literally watched it on stream together. <laughs> I may have just spoiled. Never mind. Never mind. Forget everything I just said. Oh, you spoiled something else that I haven't seen. <laughs> that I haven't seen either, but that's been spoiled for me many times. Fantastic. Already. Anyway, the point being, like, yes. <laughs> that they did that, but they didn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if that if that's the th- thing we're 100% like, yeah, if that's your headcanon, if that's not your headcanon, what movie did you watch? But if, but like, they, they could have paid it off, you know, yeah. on the big screen, but they didn't. So that, that, that was just, it's just a little, just a little jab. I had to get a little jab in there. Just get a little and, jab. And I think in some ways the Lego stuff is kind of a semi-official fan fiction where it's like Lego, because in the same way, I think like there are people who be like, yeah. We've always thought there's a romantic subtext in some way between Joker and Batman, and Lego made it still subtext, but a much more clear metaphorical subtext. Right, right. And, like, 
yeah, if you want to take that as canon, if you want to take stuff from the Lego Star Wars and be like, that's how the story should be, so it's my canon, go for it. I, I thought the Lego special was recognized as canon by Disney. Is that not actually? I mean, that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> it wouldn't make but any sense. I, I, I don't know. I, again, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, you know, I do appreciate that they at least paid that off there. But, like, you know. Right. Yeah. True. True, true. All right. Well, I think we've gotten uh, most of the things we wanted to say out. Any, you want to you have the last word? Canon bad. Interpretation good. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I would just add a, a continuity good. Just because I, I just want internal continuity. That's I, I all do I want. too. Like, I want continuity. Yeah. I, I want storytellers who know what story they're telling and what's going on in their story. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. It's just, it doesn't have to be some official interconnection of so many different pieces of media. Like, yeah. just so many. But, like, yeah, just, like, have your own opinion. Don't, you know, tell people about it. Tell people about yeah. it. Just don't push it on people, I guess, is in some people where I, wish I would come from. You're reading more books, and I, I, I that sounds judgmental. I don't mean it that way at all. But no, just because, like, um, one of the things I've been loving so much about so many of the Star Wars novels, especially the High Republic, is they're basically like, look, we're going to tell stories in the Star Wars world 250 years ago. And mm. and they even find a reason to be like, Yoda is kind of like off doing this thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, because he's around, he kind of pops up every now and then. But for the most part, it is nothing. It's a completely different continuity. Yeah, And yeah. you can see in it, there's been one way in which something from that series of books has now popped up in a new book in the more recent stories. Um and you can you get like I think a lot of us are guessing how the effects of the High Republic era start to explain why the Jedi are the way they are by the time Palpatine comes along. But for the most part, it's a new continuity, and I'm it makes me very excited for the TV show Acolyte, which I think is going to be mostly set like that's the one that I think is almost the, the biggest tightrope walk because it could well be that they'll say this is a story set 150 years ago. It's going to be about what the Sith were doing, but it's all very below the, the radar screen. Or it could be that it makes nothing that may, that they decide to kind of make it big and splashy. And so the fact that Mace Windu believes the Sith haven't been around for a thousand years makes no sense whatsoever because of what the Acolyte does. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a high wire act. But I, I, the books are making me have faith. So, Well, I hope that works out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the way you would write it is you would have the Sith get involved with some small number of Jedi and then kill all of those Jedi. And that would be, yeah. right, that would be the only way. It's like going into Rogue One. Generally, I'm not a big fan of, you know, movies with a high, like, protagonist body count. But I was mm -hmm. like, well, clearly all these people are going to die because they weren't in A New Hope. Like, yeah. you know, and uh, spoilers for Rogue One. Uh, right. A lot of people die. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I actually did not think they were all going to die because I thought it's also just as possible that they, like, you know, we don't see the grunts who are fighting on Hoth. Sure, we sure. Just, we see them die, but we never get to know them. Mm -hmm. So I thought it would be perfectly possible that, yeah, one of them winds up, like, flying an X-Wing that gets destroyed in the Death Star. Or, sure. Or, like, being one of the people who helps well, capture Endor or whatever. And some of them did, right? I mean, the pilots came and then the pilots left. and yeah. Some of the pilots get away, right? And then they're yeah. the, 
then some they... of those pilots have catchphrases that they said over Scarif and then said over Yavin with the exact same inflection and tone. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> There's a lot of people yeah. who seem to scream exactly the same when they're falling off of something. In all sorts of different movies, almost as yeah. if there's some some uh, sound effect that just keeps getting reused. Hey, listen, before Lucas started noodling with them, every TIE fighter exploded in exactly the same way. And it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think it's where we wrap up. Um, so where can people find the true, the non-fan fiction, the canonical Zen Madman? <laughs> uh, the one and only Zen Madman. Although originally the the name came from uh, the rambling path of a Zen Madman, so you know there can there can be oh, okay. more of us. Um, yeah, I mean I, I tweet a little bit, some chess positions. Um, generally, whenever I play a ridiculous game or or solve a really fun puzzle um, on on twi- on Twitch, which is where we are now. Twitch.tv slash Zen Madman. And I guess I have a website that doesn't really have much on it right now. But, you know, at, at some point. If you're listening to this like a year from now, maybe check it out and we'll see see whether there's anything there. Nice. Nice. I appreciate that. And, of course, you can find this podcast, all my podcasts, under theethicalpanda.com. Um, there you'll find our contact information, Facebook, Twitter. You'll find the Star Wars podcast that we uh, talked at length about. We did talk about some Marvel and DC stuff, so it wasn't just Star Wars canonical. Uh, but that's been on our mind a lot. A lot of Star Wars TV shows coming out. But all the different podcasts I'm on, there you'll find. Uh, of course, this podcast is part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. That's why I'm the Ethical Panda. All the people there are ethical. I just talk about ethics. <laughs> but that uh, on, the Stranded Podca- Pan- on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, say that five times fast, you will also find a number of other great podcasts, including the MCU cast, which is where Ashley Coffin can most often be found. Uh, and that's where her awesome, awesome episode about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness can be found. So please check all that out. Please give us feedback. Um, we're getting – we're not as close to Andor as I thought. It was supposed to be my birthday present. Now it's going to be a few weeks uh, past that. But we're really going to try and boost up the numbers of all of our podcasts. So, yeah, if you get a moment, if you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Ask a friend to listen. Uh, take a moment to follow us on social media and maybe pay attention to some of the, the, the posts and, you know, forward them out a little bit. We'd love to really help more people get to follow these podcasts and, and join in the conversation. So uh, on behalf of myself, Paul, thank you all so much for being wonderful. Thank you all so much for being – so on behalf of myself, Paul, thank you all so much for being great listeners. And as fans, be good to each other. Word. Word.